Wexford parked his car in Forest Road, where this footpath entered it as an alley near the boundary fence of a pair of houses called Carlisle Villas. He swung into the alley and followed the footpath. About a hundred yards ahead, he could see a group of men gathered at the edge of a little copse. As Wexford approached, Inspector Michael Burden came to him and said something in a low voice. Wexford nodded and went to Detective Loring who stood apart with a young man who looked pale and shaken. Mr. Parker, I understand you found the body. Parker nodded. My son did. He couldn't have been more than twenty-five himself. A child, said Wexford. Ah, well, tell me what happened. I live in one of the bungalows, Forest uh, Road, Bella Vista. We were coming back from my sister's, along the path here, and Nicky was playing with the ball. It went into the long grass, under the hedge, and he went to look for it. He said, Dad, there's a lady down there. I looked and, well, I know I shouldn't have, but I pulled her coat over her chest. Nicky, you see, he's only six, and there was, well, blood, a mess. I do see, said Wexford. You didn't uh, move anything else. Parker shook his head. Honestly, I wouldn't have touched her if uh, I'd been on my own. This was an exception, Mr. Parker, Wexford smiled at him. I'd have done the same in your place. Get off home now, and we'll see you again later. Thanks for your help. Parker glanced at the huddle round the body. I know who she is. We don't yet. Who is she? Well, a Miss Comfrey. Her dad lives here, Carlisle Villas. The one with the blue paint. She must have been stopping there. Her dad's in hospital. He broke his hip, and she must have come down from London to see him. Thanks, Mr. Parker. Wexford crossed the sandy path, and Burden stepped aside for him to look at the body. It was that of a middle-aged woman, biggish and gaunt. The face was coated with heavy makeup, clotted scarlet on the mouth, streaky blue on the crepe eyelids, a ghastly ochreish layer on the plains of cheek and forehead. The grey eyes were wide and staring. A fringe of dark hair just showed under a tightly tied blue headscarf. The body was clothed in a blue and pink printed dress of some synthetic material, and the matching jacket had been drawn across the bodice. Across the hips lay a large scarlet handbag. There were no rings, no watch, but a heavy necklace of red glass beads around the neck, and the nails, though short, were painted the same scarlet. Wexford knelt down and opened the handbag, covering his fingers with his handkerchief. Inside was a keyring with three keys on it, a box of matches, a packet of cigarettes, a lipstick, a powder compact, a wallet, and some loose change. No purse, no letters or documents. The wallet, which was an expensive new one of black leather, contained forty-two pounds. She hadn't been killed for the money she had on her. There was nothing to give him a clue to her address, her occupation, or even her identity. No credit card, no bank card, no checkbook. He parted her jacket. The bodice of the dress was black with clotted blood, but plainly discernible in the dark matted mass were two stab wounds. Wexford moved away, and the doctor came back and knelt where he had knelt. He said to Loring, Get searching. You and Gates and Marwood. The weapon's a knife of some sort. Go house to house from Forest Road, 
but leave Parker and Carlisle Villas to me. Back to Dr. Crocker. How long has she been dead, Len? Oh, for God's sake. Don't expect precision at this stage. Rigor's fully established, but the weather's been very hot, so its onset will have been more rapid. I'd say at least eighteen hours. Okay, Wexford jerked his head at Burden. Carlisle Villas and Parker next, I think, Mike. Michael Burden was properly of too high a rank to accompany a chief inspector on calls of inquiry. But that was the way they had always worked, and always would, in spite of disapproving mutterings from the chief constable. Two tall men. Nearly twenty years separated them, and once they had been so dissimilar in appearance as to provide the stuff of humour. But Wexford had lost his abundant fat, and become almost a gaunt man, while Burden had always been lean. He was the better looking of the two by far.